this is a huge lever for the world of tech. And we actually, I mean, it's so platformy and infrastructurally intense that we actually can't predict. I don't think anyone can predict. They're basically saying like, what if we took this hurricane and put it with this cyclone? Could we get a hurricane? That's what's coming in 2020, the hurricane. So I want to talk about New Relic. I know you're probably thinking I should talk about Datadog, Prometheus, or OpenTelemetry. And a month ago, I would have agreed with you. But New Relic did something a little out there. They reworked everything. They went open source, made it so you can monitor your whole stack in one place, and simplified their pricing. There's even a free tier with one user and 100 gigabytes per month totally free. Check it out at newrelic.com. Observability made simple. Hello, and welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. I am Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, with my lovely co-hosts, Paul and Sarah. Hi, y'all. Hey, how's it going? Greetings, everyone. Greetings. So big news over the weekend, two major acquisitions in the tech space with kind of different flavors. Let's start with Oracle, possibly maybe to acquire TikTok. Yeah, not two companies I would normally put in the same sentence, but... Why do you think that is? I've been really spending a lot of time wondering why. Part of the why is just that somebody had to buy them or they were going to have to leave the U.S. market, right? And this is another question I have. Right, we don't currently block apps in the U.S. from my understanding. Like, there's no app that you're not allowed to download. Right. So, like, going down the what would that have looked like path to me has been something I've been doing a bunch this past few weeks. Like. Would they have blocked it at the ISP level? Would this be a first step towards right. like a censored Our internet? Our own great firewall? That's a really good question. I feel like the answer is if they had gone down that path, they would have had to insist to you know the major players like Apple and Google that they not allow that app on their store. And that, I think, would have just become a huge court battle. This is what's tricky, right? They probably wouldn't have gone for... TCP IP based blocking, right? Like they wouldn't have, yeah, but, yeah. you know, everyone has to update Etsy host to block TikTok or you're going to jail. That would just be really <laughs> hard to pull off in America without a great yeah. firewall. Like we don't have the national VPN for that. But this, this yeah. goes back to the app stores being de facto enforcers of law that they themselves create, right? So what's happened in this case would be the government going, hey, you know how you guys enforce who can have which app on your platforms? And it's like, who's going to root? Yeah. Who's going to root? <laughs> Here's one to add to the list. <laughs> yeah, it kills TikTok immediately, right? Because it's not like people are going to root Android and then suddenly well, watch. <laughs> I think the kids. teens, the teens would definitely sideload TikTok. They would figure yeah, that out. Yeah, but it would be yeah. like, but yeah, but the brands won't. Not brand safe. So how is this going to change TikTok now that Oracle is going to be uh, writing the next software update? Look, first of all, this is hilarious. Okay, everything aside, our government should not be doing this. There's a lot of bad precedents being set. There is. One thing I'll send for the show notes is there was a solid meme. Like when this started on TikTok, there was like a meme that was going on for like a few weeks. It would be like TikTok is like little videos. So it would be like the start of it would be like the U.S. government says TikTok is going to steal your data. And then it would be like our data, colon, and then it would be like a video of like all people in those T-Rex outfits, like running mm-hmm. around the room like crazy. <laughs> it would just be like, what data do you want? Like the idiot videos that we're liking, I right, guess. Right, right, like right. every website has our email. Is that what's happening? I mean, yeah, the charges leveled against TikTok are pretty inane in the sense that our own social media apps vacuum up just as much, if not more data. It's not like yeah. US social media apps and search engines don't do the exact same thing. 
or mobile platforms, you know, mobile OSs. But I, I mean, look, the thing with TikTok, right, is it has this really fundamental relationship with ByteDance where the CEO is saying things like, you know, ByteDance will deepen its cooperation with the Chinese Communist Party and promote policies and on and on and on and on. And so, like, you've got essentially this big platform with teens that military people are using that is able to funnel data straight to China. And frankly, I don't know what's real and what's not, but clearly the American government's, their conception of TikTok is that it will take secure information about people on their in their phones, which is everything, and funnel it to a foreign power that is hostile. And we can't allow that. We went through this a lot at DJI. There were multiple sort of like instances where somebody reported or somebody, you know, anonymously told a news agency or, a, you know, a DHS or an ICE agent would file, a, you know, a background memo, not official, but, you know, it would leak that would say, you know, yeah, you know, every time you turn this on, the camera is sending everything back to China. And, you, it, you know, the fact that the military is using them is completely unsafe. And in fact, recently there was a big news story about how the Department of the Interior is having a really hard time fighting fires because they had to ground something like 800 drones that they had bought all from DJI. And then like six months later, they were told you're not allowed to use these. So it is this like big geopolitical rift that's opening up where it feels like there's just going to escalate for this tit for tat where they can't use any of our stuff and we're not going to be able to use any of their stuff. And that that's just a big loss for everybody. Yes, it is. I mean, look, part of this is we just haven't, nobody dealt for a long time. <laughs> and now- it's reached a boiling point at the exact moment. So it's like, you know, social media created the political environment that we're in. So thanks to the tech industry for that. <laughs> and now that political environment is reacting to the technological platforms that put it into power in the first place. And right. it's reacting in a very predictable way, which is through isolationist outrage and limited understanding. Here's what's wacky, right? It's like, like they're looking at TikTok and they're going, wow, this thing absolutely can have any kind of access to any of your privacy that it wants. It can use its phone to just go in and, and go wild. And it's like, yeah, that's also true of every other app, including ones that <laughs> probably are funneling yeah. info to China right now today that look like you're playing Candy Crush. Like, I, right. We know. We know because we have the NSA. <laughs> we, we know how much information can be extracted from a human being like riding their bike and with their phone yeah. in their pocket. And so what happened is just because of, a, I think, the paranoid mindset and the fact that you had this big growing platform and an opportunity to make a little bit of political hay just kind of all combined and turns yeah. into this executive order number, you know, 13942 about how everybody has to divest right away and that's that and we're done and I'm, I put my foot down. Sarah, you're the most frequent TikTok user. This morning on the radio, they were saying one of the reasons Oracle won out is because they might have agreed not to take TikTok's algorithm. They would just sort of like take it over but not get the special sauce that makes it so addictive and help things go viral. As a frequent TikTok user, do you feel like there's something special or different about their algorithm or it's just, you know, the same kind of thing that we've seen with other social media, but, you know, happened to nail the right format at the right time. No, it's different. It's different in the way that, well, I don't know if you've had this experience. Instagram is the only platform that gets me to buy anything. Mm -hmm. Like everyone serves me ads, but Instagram serves me ads that I'm interested in somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's like if the Instagram ad algorithm had a platform of just videos you thought were funny. Right. Stuff that makes you laugh instead of wanting to buy things. This sounds like a lovely app. 
I don't want yeah. to bring it. I wanted to bring joy to people. It's great. And everyone I know that goes on TikTok has a different – like if you look at your friend's TikTok feed, you're introduced to an entirely different world. Like one conversation my partner and I have often is like, oh, you know this meme on TikTok? And the other is like, no. They're like, really? That's all I see on TikTok. Like over – like it's I see this meme all the time. It's not in your feed. And we're right. like, No. It's such a big place and so many interesting things that it's tailored to exactly what you think is funny. That's so cool. I wonder if they learned how to do that really well because, you know, they came out of first there was like a news app that the same company was running, which became super, super popular in China. And then they made this short, short form video app, which we know is a good idea, you know, based on Vine and, um, you know, Instagram stories and stuff like that. Musically. Yeah. But they had like eight times as many people to test it on. Like if you can run that algorithm on 1.4 billion people instead of 200 million, it just gets better and better. Yeah. There's cultural differences and all kinds of stuff. That's a large test case, no matter what, a couple hundred million. They're really smart. TikTok actually did right by its members and content creators, yeah. or was at least right. at least showing the tiniest possible sign of that man. And that like right. that's like intolerable to mm. legacy yeah. social media. Recently, there is one the most viewed video on TikTok. Yesterday, I saw a TikTok breaking down the finances behind it of like how much this girl made from this video. And it was right. something like just from the video itself, it was seven, like around 17 to 20K. I mean, it's the ultimate way to get loyalty and to get people actually making more and better videos, which that is a brilliant idea. All right, Sarah, Paul, give me your best riff. TikTok under Oracle in a year. If you were to if you were to Java this whole thing up, what would, what would There's happen? There's a non-trivial chance they won't screw this up. I mean, most acquisitions <laughs> are disasters, but what Oracle has is a fantastic hosting platform with really low-cost bandwidth. So they could actually own this and probably help it find enormous operational efficiencies and also sort of like make sure that the platform is, you know, in compliance with all the privacy regulations because, I mean, they serve enterprise, right? Right. So like the Oracle hosting platform has a lot of power underneath it. I can't remember who, but they saved millions and millions of dollars for some video hosting platform recently. And so like there is a chance. Sarah, what do you think? I, what I'm hearing from you is they're not going to have access to the code because if they can't, they're not going to be able to see the algorithm, then right. what are they going to be able to see? That was a speculation this morning. And that would be interesting if like ByteDance continued to sort of like build it out and would send it. would be like we do with like our on-prem updates. Like every quarter, ByteDance ships Oracle, you know, a hard drive and like they get to like, you know, make sure it's clean or whatever. And then they they like run it on the network. And yeah, it's like somehow it's firewalled off from sending data back to China, but ByteDance is still the creator. That would be Really, really interesting. That's not how these things work. Yeah, that's wild and bizarre. How's that going to work? Yeah. (laughs) Or who's going to own it? Well, I mean, they own the U.S. operations, Mm -hmm. right? So that looks like, to me, that looks like a huge sales team that works with the brands in the U.S. Right. And then Oracle networking and servers that are not sending data back to China, like a like a like a siloed version where the ads. And the data stay only in the U.S. But that's so weird it's because so ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like, I think there's this like, there's this series of apps like I found that are amazing. They're like the Mermaid Mommy apps. They're like Mermaid Mommy goes to the spa and you have this like little mermaid and you like have a little hairbrush and you get to like brush her little hair. Hmm. I promise you that is sending all my data to China. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> right. Right. Like so like. TikTok's not getting it, but Mermaid Mommy is sure again. Okay, so the technical platform, okay, I think will be okay. 
right? Like just for at least for a while, like TikTok will continue to be hosted. I doubt the idea that China can send a hard drive or that the algorithm can be completely unobscured by, you know, or kept obscure from Oracle leadership. I like who would do that? Like who would be like, hey, you guys can do whatever you want inside of that black box. We're going to just give you a lot of money and own you. But don't worry, Mm. you know, it'll be cool. But the magical moment will be when Oracle sales that synergy when it's like Oracle sales trying to build relationships with brands to sell content on top of teen content producers. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's going to be such a disaster. Oh, because it's just like, you know, like, hey, Procter & Gamble. I mean, oh, oh, they're going to like cross sell database services with TikTok brand <laughs> campaigns. They're going to throw stuff yeah. in. It's poison. Yeah, the ads on TikTok aren't very good, though. So maybe that might be better because right now it keeps advertising DraftKings. It me. will be DraftKings. No, but like DraftKings, but then DraftKings will also like have to, in order to advertise on TikTok, you'll have to pay for an 8 CPU Oracle database license. Yeah. <laughs> and then and you'll, you'll need. DraftKings starts running slow. Yeah, that's right. You're going to need a full-time DB admin just to like start putting content in. What yeah. they'll start doing is paying people with hosting credits. For Oracle. Yeah. Well, you know, you did a wonderful job with that video where you were dancing to um, Solange. We're going to give you over 6,000 minutes of Linux hosting <laughs> to motivate you to keep going. <laughs> Why do we think that Microsoft lost? On the radio this morning, they were saying Microsoft didn't want it if they couldn't like really get deep in the code. That was what they were saying, that Oracle was just like, whatever. We just want it because it's, it's young and hip and we'll figure the rest oh. out later. That was the speculation this also, morning. Also, like the CEO just quit. There's a new CEO. Like this is a mess, right? And so- right. Yeah, yeah by dancing means, yeah. Well, the yeah, situation, yeah. yeah the situation so I think, you know, heard. Microsoft probably was like, well, I think this is how we would do it. And we've successfully done a lot of things just like this with very large things. And we think we'll be all right. And, but, you know, they honestly, too, they just closed down Mixer. So, you know, if I'm TikTok, I'm going like, oh, are they just going to like buy me and tear me apart for parts? And shut me down. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah, sure yeah. Oracle's in there going like, oh, hey, just going to move you over to our servers. It's fine. Don't worry about it. Oh, <laughs> yeah, no big. Me, look at Larry Ellison. That's a great guy over there. Don't you worry about a thing. Yeah, maybe Oracle was like buying TikTok and saving face and doing all that. And then they're like, man, server business in China next year is going to be off the charts. Yeah, I mean, like we scratch your back, you scratch ooh, ours. I, who knows? But, but what I know is that Larry Ellison has like a 20 ton boulder that he had installed in his house that he can use. It looks like sort of a big Japanese garden and he can use that as a shower. It's a shower. It's a giant boulder, <laughs> right? So yeah, if I, I bet, I bet they were like, look, come here, take a shower in this boulder. All right. So yeah, the other big acquisition this week isn't on the software side. It's on the hardware side, although I think it is going to have an impact on the way people create software uh, going forward, which is that NVIDIA acquired ARM. So walk me through this a little bit. I mean, ARM is kind of a, a storied brand that goes back quite a long ways, whereas NVIDIA has been around for a while, but only exploded recently when GPUs became incredibly popular for sort of machine learning applications. So what does this mean for if you're if you're a software developer listening to this podcast? I think it's really interesting. I think the name that we see a lot that we really don't understand what's going on, or myself, is SoftBank. I think there's been so <laughs> much that we've seen in the past year that SoftBank has done right. or hasn't done or sold or acquired or boosted up. So I think NVIDIA, apparently SoftBank bought in uh, arm in 2016 which i wasn't aware of were, were you both aware of yeah i was but you know not, it wasn't something i was thinking about very often it was just so, like daily. softbank <laughs> ran around with 
like just an unbelievable fire hose right. of, of other people's money <laughs> and bought everything. And one of the things they bought was ARM, which was kind of amazing. It's like, all right, wow, that's yeah. a hell of a thing to buy. It's interesting. In 2016, the discussion around SoftBank was that they were going to use the ARM deal to bolster its Internet of Things plans. And that's a term that you hear so much less in 2020 than you did in 2016. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, it's kind of a horseless carriage term, right? Like we're, we're just, yeah. it's just going to be small chips kind of everywhere. Like, you, you know, your smart garbage disposal. And what we've learned is instead of wanting a, an intelligent sensor network that in your garbage, you know, disposal. we just don't want to deal. Yeah. We just want it to be done. Yeah. Just, right. could you- we don't want people. Yeah. Like, like pranking us through our baby monitors. Like yeah. a lot of times, the more stuff you connect to the network, like the more chance of something really bad happening. Yeah. Internet of things too. Like it, it's true. Like you can't get anything out through your home router. Like everything's just a mess, right? So it's just it's hard to get people super motivated. Anyway, regardless, it, it's it's a little less exciting now than it used to be. Nvidia is like one of the best executors in platform, you know, in terms of chips and technology platforms. Yeah. Ever. It was a world that really anybody else should have owned who already existed and they came around in the late 90s and just obliterated they just did they did mm. amazingly well and they're a tough company they're really tough and they are i mean and then if you look at their stock price which i do to relax even though i don't own any <laughs> i don't own any nvidia stock but it's this moment where it's like wow good company good company good company and then around 2017 i think but like when ml just hits and yeah, yeah. it's just whoosh we're gonna need a yeah. lot of these bad boys and, yeah. you know, like the, the market created a need for their product that, that you could have hinted at, but like just no, nobody assumed that this would be an essential piece of technology for building the modern AI and ML powered pattern recognition driven giant data set internet. Oh, that's so interesting. Because when I hear NVIDIA, all I think of is video cards. No, see, no, that was it. That's the interesting little twist is they were making video cards and it was all about video games and 3D graphics. And then it turned out that the kind of stuff they were making to do that was actually the best for that sort of paralyzing, you know, machine learning, deep learning, teraflops kind of stuff. And that's when it ex- took off like crazy. And they're so powerful. I mean, if you're over the age of like 25, like the number of the amount of processing you can get in a in a modern big NVIDIA card is just un- fantastic. And so, yeah, they found all these new deep infrastructural uses for it that are outside of graphics. So now it's it's got a lot of cash, right? Like it's suddenly worth a lot. And it's an ambitious firm. And boy, did they, they're doubling down. They're going like, all right, you know what? If we buy ARM, and I think it's like 12 million cash and the rest is stock. Or 12, 12 million. <laughs> Millions. What a funny idea. An M. An M. What a joke. Uh, no, it's, it's <laughs> what a new. 12 billion cash Man. and the rest is like stock and so on. But it adds up to 40 billion. Holy shazbot. So now you have all the IP that drives everything but Intel. You've got access, and now you can start to funnel your IP to every single. And I mean, we're thinking like, oh, what about Apple? Apple uses ARM, that'll be. But everybody else does too. Well, another thing that came up was that Apple has increasingly been moving over into their own chips, and so that was one reason why maybe ARM's future was a little uncertain, and they wanted to cozy up to somebody big. Was that Apple has like continually been moving away, and that would be losing, you know, a major customer. Well, I think Apple at some point would kind of fork away from ARM and be like, yeah, we'll we'll do our own. Like they're one of the very few. ARM creates blueprints for chips essentially. And so it's the best chip architects in the world 
Apple can also have the best chip architects in the world, you know, like Intel and so on. So, so they have a choice. But your average company that wants to make consumer electronics and then get them built somewhere in a giant, like there's a, a really short list of giant firms that right. could do this, like Samsung and so on and so forth. And then everybody else is really dependent on somebody else coming in with their chips that they can use to make their clock radios or whatever. And that, that is where ARM is really good. So NVIDIA is like just kind of got itself now. It's kind of everywhere but the desktop. And even there, it's on the desktop, right? Like, because there are ARM chips that, you know, are going to run Windows and that, that run. Mm -hmm. So it just got itself into every single pie in computing and became a major global player at like an order of magnitude more impact with this secondary enabling technology of super powerful AI slash ML enabled and 3D card GPUs. So it's just, whoa, what just happened? And it's also all confusing because right. it's chips and nothing, unless you live chips, <laughs> they just make no sense. Yeah. All right. You're just kind of like, okay, th these are the same. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. Sarah, you were saying the other day that when you want to interview someone who's really good at machine learning, you ask them, what is machine learning? And they tell you it doesn't exist. Like what this really is, is like statistics and Bayesian models and teraflops on an NVIDIA at like a scale, you know, that was heretofore impossible. But do you know anything about sort of like GPU processing? I mean, GPU programming or machine learning that you think would be relevant here? Like, does this change, you know, like Paul was saying, the way we do things if suddenly these same kinds of chips are inside of, right, the clock radio and not just the mega computer? Yeah, uh, no. So machine learning is a ship that I have not jumped on. As far as GPU programming, like I've done a lot of that on small chips. And so I know a level the things that are possible and the things that are not possible. Mm -hmm. It is wild to me to think that you could fit a machine learning algorithm on a lot of the things that we consider smart devices because they are not large and machine learning algorithms are. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's not something I've dug into too much. Paul, what about you? It's hard. I'm a weekend programmer now, and I'm used to going and if I'm doing Python, I'm, I'm typing pip install. And if I'm doing JavaScript, I'm typing npm install. And it's just sort of like you get to machine learning and they're like, absolutely, here's some libraries. You can use them in your ecosystem, whatever. You just have to write your own kernel and it's spelled with a different letter. And, and you're just, you're going to figure it out. And yeah. you're like, wait, what? And it's just, <laughs> it's this really light wrapper around relatively low level stuff is where we're at. Mm -hmm. Like you can't, there is yeah. no hello world. There's like 8 billion H's appearing on the screen at once. That's what you're working towards. Very few problems yeah. that people have decompose into massively paralyzable 8-bit operations in the limited structure of the GPU. So, mm. you know, I think Sarah's world's a lot closer to that because she used to do embedded stuff and that part. But your casual programmer, unless you're doing some 3D and you want to kind of go dig around or have some unusual scientific application or something, it's just you're not going to worry about it too much until it finally right. gets really easy. Yeah, when memory doesn't matter, it like really doesn't matter. You never have to think about it. But the second that it starts to matter, it becomes very stressful. Yeah. But nonetheless, what we're talking about is that infrastructural level. So what does this really do? It affects a zillion consumers and probably like 50,000 nerds, right? Like just low-level people who really care about chipset architectures. And it's probably more like 200,000 because there's people who work in the fabs and and stuff like that. But it, it's a pretty specific part of the giant. Yeah, it's definitely not a lot. There's, what, like 18 million people who work in IT around the world. So this is a small, but it's sort of like 
the low level art, it's like the architects, right? So it's like the, the houses are going to end up looking kind of different, you know, different materials for the windows, different sh- kinds of shingles, different, the yard's going to look a little different and we're all going to be living in that world, but we mm. won't know exactly why it will, part of it will be because NVIDIA bought ARM. All right, y'all, I don't see any lifeboats this week, unfortunately, mm. but that's okay. We'll get some. Things will pop back up, but I'll share a fun question here that I think people could enjoy. It says, what are good mathematical models for spiderwebs from our math overflow? Sometimes I see a spiderwebs in very complex surrounding, like in the middle of twigs. I keep thinking, if you understand the spiderweb, you understand the space around it. Wow. Then it gets deep here. Minimum energy configuration of a system of springs. So if you want to know how spiders build these incredibly complex webs and not just that, but how they do it in space where there might be other objects that exist. Check out Math Overflow. They've got some cool models that come from nature and other studies. Simple models for the mechanics of spider webs. This is a deep, this is a deep cut. Oh, well, you know, I'm looking at this. It's got lots of cool pictures. Oh, no, there's, it looks like fractals. Oh, holy shazbot. Get out now, Paul. Get out now. <laughs> Don't go any deeper. The whole day. Yeah, the shot. fractals come fast. Yeah, the fractals come at you fast. All right, y'all. Well, as always, thank you for hanging out and chatting. That's two big changes in the world of tech, and I'm sure we'll see the ripple effects for a while to come. If you want to catch me online, I'm Ben Popper, director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I'm on Twitter at Ben Popper. I'm Sarah Chips, director of community here at Stack Overflow. Right now, I'm promoting my dear friend Jeffrey's Kickstarter that is kicking off tomorrow. It is bitly.com forward slash books kickstarter check it out what's the book about oh it's not a book it's an app called you know it's a dating app for book readers Mm. lovely that's cool people are reading books yeah well i I don't have anything to top that i'm i'm a good uh, friend of stack overflow my name is paul ford if you want to find me check out my website postlight.com that's the company i co-founded very cool all right everybody have a great week and i'll talk to you soon (laughs) 